Let's pray. Circle us round, O oh God, with your grace. Help us to engage with your truth that we may live authentic lives in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, uh, the Bible reading today is really quite powerful. So hang on to your hats as we go into this. It's a gospel encounter with, between Jesus and a delegation of religious and political leaders. They come actually to discredit him. It says literally to destroy him. And they begin with flattery. And then rapier-like, they put the question about taxes. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Siva? Always a controversial subject. And the coin requested by Jesus would be a, a silver denarius, bearing the, the image, the imago, the image of Tiberius Caesar. Note that Jesus doesn't have silver in his pocket. Just the ordinary coins with no image. Jesus' answer is most clever and crucial. Give to the emperor the coins due to the emperor, but give back to God what is due to God. Now, remember that for Jesus, for everyone listening to him, the imago of God, the image of God is on your life, on his hearers' lives, on the whole of creation. In effect, Jesus says, by all means, cast a coin for Rome's imperial taxes, but offer the whole of your being to God. You know, this passage is sometimes used to suggest that Jesus made a clear distinction between the sacred and the secular. In other words, give God your spiritual devotion, but for real life issues, economic, political, social issues, they belong to those who govern. Nothing to do with Christian religion. However, that does not do justice to Jesus' ministry. The Gospels record that he smashes social norms by reaching out to women who are ostracized because of their condition or bereavement. He deliberately charts a journey to what would be called enemy territory, speaking in an unorthodox fashion with a woman at the well. It would appear from their names that his disciples come from different ethnic backgrounds and political ideologies, but Jesus binds them together. And as in this instance, Jesus challenges those holding power by speaking truth without giving offense. Moreover, if we turn to the prophets and ask, what would they say to us today? There will be a roar of protest at the way we plunder the planet we abuse its resources, we crush the poor, we amass wealth and deliberately design policies on the basis of inequality. The thunderous voice of Amos, as we read from chapter five, across the centuries, crying for justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream, literally, for justice to flood 
the religious, political, economic, and social life of the nations, then and now. Jesus and Amos are on the side of those who say lives matter, especially those who feel marginalized and are discriminated against. They encourage us to pray for good governance and to speak out against injustice and prejudice. Let us know that Amos is scathing about discrimination, about merchants who amass wealth at the expense of the poor, about religious and social, socio-political leaders who abuse power, about people, probably men, who abuse children for the price of a pair of sandals. Friends, today, sadly, we hear in many parts of the world where leaders are still abusing power, amassing wealth, distorting truth, seeking their own benefit. We hear of children abused and young people trafficked. In recent years, we have suffered from policies of isolation and exclusion, as though somehow our island can float off and have nothing to do with the rest of the world. Key policies reduced to slogans which gloss over the complexity of governance and international relations. The United Kingdom is the fifth richest nation in the world and it is in danger of turning its back on others. Yet the gospel call is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. This assumes that our lives are interwoven, interwoven, community to community, nation to nation, person to person. We, we need each other. God, who brought all things into being, set us in community because God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is in community. Therefore, as community, we need policies and procedures which are for the common good. Recently, our Prime Minister in a broadcast declared, and I quote, as someone said, the truth will set you free. Well, that someone was Jesus. And his truth will set us free. In fact, Jesus' truth will find us out. His truth is the justice which Amos calls for in his prophecy. To embrace justice means that God puts us in the right by his saving grace when we turn to him, so that we may be right within ourselves, at peace with ourselves, and to do right towards others. Justice or righteousness are terms that are interchangeable. It is about the whole of life. God's gracious salvation has implications which are both personal and about social well-being and the working for common good. Now, the early church, as it developed its life and considered how to respond to authorities and rulers, they started with a maxim 
of Jesus to love God and love our neighbour. And therefore they called Christian followers to be good citizens, to pay their taxes, to be subject to authority, but also to speak truth to power when needed. So what are the criteria by which we choose to trust our leaders? And I suggest, do this briefly, six tests. And the first is justice. Is the governing authority honourable and trustworthy? Are they fair in applying the law without fear or favour? How do they conduct their lives? What are the levels of corruption? Is there one law for the people and one for them? In Romans 13, Paul indicates that governments and authorities are given by God, but they're also judged by the revelation in Scripture of what is just and true. Politicians may make the laws, but that law should be applied by an independent judiciary without political interference. That is not the case, sadly, in many parts of the world. And the church, for its part, has a prophetic role in speaking truth to power. So justice, but also seeking the common good. Are those involved seeking for their own benefit, whether it be about status in the community, electoral profile or financial gain? Do the policies proposed and enacted work for the common good of all the people? The great commandment of Jesus includes the call to love your neighbour and therefore all aspects of governance should seek the good of all. And that leads us to the poor and marginalised. And this becomes for Christians everywhere and Methodist Christians particularly a litmus test for good governance. The greatness of a government is not how it supports the wealthy and powerful but in the manner with which it deals with the poor, the marginalised and the vulnerable of our society. Amos is clear that the way authorities deal with the poor and powerless is the test of true righteousness. And that reconciliation. Do our governments actively seek reconciliation between its people and between nations? Is it taking steps to reach out to other communities, to lower tension, establish links, build bridges? Most nations seek to make political and trade agreements. But how do we establish supportive bridgeheads with people and nations with whom there have been difficulties previously? Reconciliation is a key purpose of the cross of Christ then it becomes a symbol of the way we should deal with others. The kindness, compassion, seeking a shared benefit, good for each. And our government should be stewards of creation. How do they deal with issues of pollution, waste, the use of limited natural resources and the commitment to renewable sources of energy? All of us are consumers of creation 
But as the psalmist says, the earth is the Lord's, and therefore we should deal with it as good stewards in a sustainable way. How green is your government is a question for you. And transparency. This comes to the very heart of so much national governance. Those elected to govern, govern need to be open about the issues, involving the people in the discussion and the decision-making processes. There is no shame in telling the truth, however difficult it is. For as I said earlier, the truth will find you out. And this brings us back to trust. Can we trust leaders when one or more of these tests are compromised? We see this in many nations of the world as leaders cling to power, amass wealth, manipulate truth and rely on slogans. Let us acknowledge that the church and its leadership also needs to test its life through the same lens. Now, there are those who would wish to silence the church and Christian leaders. But now, the church has a prophetic role in speaking truth in the public arena. Church leaders, and indeed all Christians, have a duty to reflect what they perceive to be divine revelation relating to the systems and institutions that govern society. So, to go back to Jesus' answer, by all means, pay the required taxes. But crucially, give yourself to God. Welcome the flowing waters of God's grace. Look at the world with compassion and kindness. Work for the common good with a lens of justice and right living. To do so is a mission imperative for Christians everywhere. So let's start now. Amen.